Okay, Liz, what do you think the twist is? Because I think Matt is a box. Sorry, did you say box? Like a cardboard box? Yes, he's actually just a cardboard box. That's the twist. A very nice box. <laughs> very nice box. Still a box. You're not selling me on this book. That would be a shocker. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. All right, everyone, and welcome to Keep It Fictional, the podcast by book lovers, for book lovers, about book lovers, to book lovers adjacent to book lovers in any direction it's for those lovers of books uh we are here from the port moody public library i am green we've got virginia hello and fiona who's waving and liz hello and sadie hello we are here for the second part part two the sequel the revenge the electric boogaloo of our summer preview picks i think that's what i can't remember what we are calling it but i'm doing an alliteration today so it is our uh, our top five picks for the coming months so those those beautiful summer months where all those like summer beachy reads come out we are going to be picking our top five, the cream of the crop for each of us, all very different crops that they are growing. Some are barley, some are oats, some are wild hops, some are sowing seeds of revenge. So all of our readers are growing their own, I'm losing the metaphor real fast, growing their own garden of reeds, which they will tend over the summer months, making them into a beautiful harvest of words. Yep, that's what we're doing here or to speak a little bit more plainly, um, is that we are going to be choosing our top five reads coming out. And this is the second part of it. So we're each going to talk about two books. But wasn't that a lot more boring? Wasn't it funner with the metaphors? You know it was. You know it was. All right. So we're each going to talk about our last two picks. Our first round, very interesting. Some very like on-brand stuff for people. Some off-brand stuff for people. Some no-logo stuff. So I'm excited to see what is rounding out our top fives. And we're going to go in reverse alphabetical order. So starting with Virginia. It's interesting that you keep saying the word revenge like a thousand times. I think it's because you know the book that I'm going to pick or you have picked for me because I'm still deciding which books to talk about is a revenge story. Um, so this is... The Thousand Crimes of Ming Zhu by Tom Lin. This is a debut novel and it is a Western featuring a Chinese assassin on a revenge story. Perfect, I think, for people who love Kill Bill, who love John Wick. I don't know what else you need me to more you need me to say about that. I think it sounds amazing. Anyway, so this is a story of Ming, who is an orphan and he has been trained to be an assassin. He fell in love with a white woman named Ada, and they decide to elope. But of course, Ada's father, 
is not liking that at all. So he went to hunt them down, beat him up, took her away, and sentenced him to go work at the labor camp for the Central Pacific Railroad. So now Ming is trying to find his way back to the people that were responsible for taking away his wife and to exact his revenge. Along the way, he's going to team up with a prophet, someone who could tell the future, like every time before he goes on a thing, he will ask, is this the day I'm going to die? And the prophet will say, no, it's not your time yet. And he'll go do whatever he does. He also then also team up with a group of traveling performers who all have some weird supernatural powers. So there's definitely a little bit of magical realism also involved in this Western story. Um, so it's weird because what attracted me to it was definitely the, the action Western Chinese assassin plot, but after sort of reading a bit of it, it's, it's also very literary and it really does like the writing was quite beautiful and it does really take you to that old west. It really makes you feel the heat and feel the gusts of wind and sand in your eyes, kind of old west feelings. And it is a redemption story for a person of color in the dangers of this America. And so it's a little bit of historical, a little bit of magical realism, literary, Western, everything I think is going to make a really interesting read. So I'm really looking forward to this. It is The Thousand Crimes of Mingzhu by Tom Lin. Looks rad. So is, is it a fantasy book or is it more literary? Magical realism. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I know. I know our feelings about that. Go back to the episode and find out about our feelings about what magical realism is. But I think it's, yeah, it's definitely that because it's, it's set very much. It's not a fantasy. I definitely wouldn't say set, but they do have weird powers. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Speaking of weird powers, Sadie, what is your next book? I'm actually not going to be talking about a fantasy. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so no weird powers. No weird powers in this one. Um, so this is a historical mystery. And um, it's the first book of a mystery series called the Harlem Renaissance Mysteries. And it takes place in the 1920s, which is one of my favorite historical time periods. And I don't actually tend to read a lot about that time period. Um, when I was growing up and in high school, I absolutely loved the 20s. Um, I thought everything about the 20s was glamorous and beautiful and wonderful. And so I, I engaged with it a lot then, but I haven't as much as an adult. So when I saw this book, I, uh, I decided that maybe it is time to once again uh, visit the 1920s. And so this book is called Dead Dead Girls uh, by Nikisa Afia. And it follows the story of Louise. And uh, Louise lives in Harlem in 1926. And Louise went through a quite a difficult ordeal when she was a teenager. Um, they don't explain too much about what happened, but she was kidnapped. You don't really know too much about it, but she is doing everything that she can at this point in her life to 
leave it behind and just go about her normal life. And to do that, she works at a cafe during the day. She spends her nights at Manhattan's hottest speakeasy. And she's she has a pretty good life, um, she would say for herself, even though her friends sometimes think that she's just trying to run away from her past. Maybe she is. Maybe she is. But then somebody turns up dead in front of the cafe that Louise works at. And not just anybody, but a young Black girl turns up dead. Now, Louise does her very, very best to kind of ignore what's happened, move on with her life, but she finds that she's not able to. And as the weeks go on, and as more young Black girls turn up dead, Louise starts to realize that there might be more going on, and it might, in fact, force her to confront something that happened in her past. Uh, So Louise is sort of drawn into these mysteries after an altercation with a police officer, and she is arrested and given the opportunity to either be made an example of by a judge or to help them solve the case of what is happening to these young women. So Louise doesn't really see that she has much of a choice. So she soon finds herself in the midst of this murder investigation, uh, trying to figure out exactly what is happening before more uh, young Black women are killed. She is dealing with the prejudices um, of the time and of the city that she is living in and just kind of trying to figure out how exactly this is actually connected to her past. Um, so I, I tend to be veering more towards mysteries these days, I find. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see kind of this different take on um, the glamorous 1920s um, in a mis- mysterious atmosphere. So that is Dead Dead Girls by Nikisa Afia. That looks great, Sadie. Really, really good. Well, let me just remember my alphabet. Next up is Liz. Liz, will you be bringing the supernatural to this picnic? Um, no, not this time. Oh, sorry to disappoint. But it is, it does seem like a bit of a strange book, I guess, or a strange story anyways contained in this book. And this one is called The Very Nice Box. It's by Eve Gleichman and Laura Blackett. Now, this has been hailed as a book for fans of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, as well as Severance by Ling Ma. Yeah, not sure how that's going to pan out, but it's kind of intriguing to hear that mashup. Now, this story concerns Ava, and she works for Stada. And that's Stada in all capital letters, kind of like another big box retailer you may be familiar with. Um, And it is a hip furniture company, but this one is based out of New York. Now, Ava is heartbroken. She has been for quite some time. Her girlfriend died unexpectedly. And so Ava now pours herself into her work um, and doesn't think about having another relationship. However, one day, her boss, Matt, offers her a ride home from work, and that leads to an unexpected romantic relationship. Now, unfortunately, Ava ignores any red flags or any hesitation that she has about entering into this relationship, and she soon finds out that Matt isn't quite who he claims to be. Publisher calls this a funny suspenseful debut with a shocking twist. So I am very excited to read this book because that is kind of up my alley. 
So if there is no shocking twist, or if it's not shocking enough, I will be severely disappointed because this book is one of the ones that kind of fell into my lap and I'm kind of jazzed about it. So I might actually read this one. I probably will. So hopefully we get that twist ending we've been promised. The Very Nice Box by Eve Gleichman and Laura Blackett. Liz, does this mean that you're not going to read any of the other books that you have just talked about? Okay, I guess I got to explain that. Um, so, you know, we all have our to be read lists, right? And we'll put books on that list because at the time they sound very, very good or what we feel like reading at the moment. But, you know, come May, June, July, August, when all of these books are coming out, I might not quite feel the same or they might kind of get bumped. I see Fiona nodding her head. Come on. Yes. Um, you know, like they may get bumped. Yeah, Sadie, you're with me, right? So, I mean, right now they're right up there. But, okay, okay, that being said, I feel like this particular most anticipated list, I'm actually excited about this season. I, it, I had too many books to choose from, so that is a good sign. It's a good book here. I feel like we've been living a lie. I was going to say that. Like, I don't know which list to trust now. The list of five minutes ago telling me how exciting this book is? Or the list that just confessed that she may not even read this book? Present day Liz is saying, yeah, I want to read this book. Liz of July when this book comes out. Maybe I'm too busy eating ice cream in the park. I don't know. Maybe I'd rather do that at that time. We'll see. July Liz is a bit of a snake. I think you should all go back to um, our last time that we did this and the ones that we wanted to read and see how many you've actually read. I read all of them. I read all five. Yeah, I was going to say Virginia's really good about actually doing that, um, but I am not. Okay, that's that's fair. I have to be fair as well. Maybe I will go back and see what books I recommended because I have no memory of it. None. I'm sure they were great. All right. All right. We'll have to, maybe we'll do like a check-in episode at some point down the line of a book that we recommended in one of these to see if it was actually good or not. Hopefully good. Hopefully good. Okay. Liz, what do you think the twist is? Cause I think Matt is a box. Sorry, did you say box? Like a cardboard box? Yes. He's actually just a cardboard box. That's the twist. A very nice box. <laughs> very nice box. Still a box. You're not selling me on this book. That would be a shocker. Well, there you go. There you go. I, what could be more shocking? <laughs> what could be more shocking? <laughs> He's a very nice box. I want a good shocking twist. <laughs> just you don't think that was good? That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> See, maybe this is why I don't read things three months down the road. I hear stuff like this. Moving on. Moving on. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. That's really given us something to chew on. <laughs> All right. Fiona, take us away. All right. So uh, I have chosen for these two, um, two like not super Fiona books. I have three that were like ones that, you know, were authors I knew and was really looking forward to. I still know these authors, but they just seem less kind of Fiona books. So my first book is a sequel. Uh, it is The Hidden Palace. This is a sequel to The Golem and the Genie by Helen Wecker. And uh, that actually came out 
quite a while ago. So it's exciting that she has finally come out with a sequel. So the reason it's not something I would normally read is because it's a really big book. <laughs> it's very long. Um, and I did listen to it as an audiobook. And it was super soothing and lovely. Uh, so I will be waiting for the audiobook to come out for this one. And hopefully they get the same narrator. But in the first one, The Golem and the Genie, um, you have... Ooh, okay, a lot happens because it's such a big book. But there is Ahmed, who is like an all-powerful genie who has been stuck in an urn for hundreds of years. Thousands of years, maybe? I can't remember. And he gets... He has to pretend to be human and gets apprenticed to um, a like a um, like a welder, like a metal worker, uh, which is convenient because genies are made of fire and he can create fire. So that helps a lot with the metalworking. Then there is Haba, um, who is a golem who was created for the purpose of being someone's wife. Um, now, like within the first chapter her husband perishes. So she, she has to figure out what her purpose is when, when he is gone and she's been built entirely to be his wife. So it sounds like it was a, it was a great book. Um, I wasn't crazy about the ending, which is kind of why I'm excited that there's a sequel. So it's like, oh, it doesn't have to end there. Um, and it sounds like in this one, they will be introducing both a new golem and a new genie. Um, so that's kind of an interesting take on like, definitely, yeah, it's still going to be the goal and the genie. Uh, I think Hava and Ahmed are still going to be the main characters, but we will get these secondary genie and golem characters. Um, part of what I really loved about the first one was you had these mythical creatures pretending to be human, but it was very realistic. They had to deal with like, what happens when you don't sleep as a golem? Like, what do you do for 12, uh, like eight hours um, while you're trying to trick people that you are sleeping? Um, and I just really appreciated that sort of like, they call it like a historical fantasy, I think. Yeah. And so just having that um, just sort of approach, because I'm not crazy about it when they just gloss over, um, you know, like how this is working in the real world. So it did give it that weight of feeling like, yes, uh, this was, a, it was set in, uh, maybe like the 20s or something. Uh, and so this one is going to be a little bit later and it's going to be World War II. So definitely looking forward to it. Looking forward to that audiobook version, especially. I think I'll probably wait till like the fall or winter to read it because it was a very like comforting book. So I have a question for you, Fiona. So you say you don't, I know you said you have a thing about long books, but isn't the audiobook even longer? Yeah, but it's a different it's not focused, or like it is focused, but it's not the only thing you can do. So it's like stretched out, but you can drive or craft at the same time as you're, if when you're reading, and I'm a really slow reader, it's just entirely like the only thing you can do at that time. See, I admire people who could do that because if I'm listening to all the book, I can't do anything else. Either I'm listening to it, the story, paying attention to it, or I'm doing something else. I can't do both at the same time. So it's one of my only multitasking skills. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to start by apologizing to Liz. It turns out Corrine is also a snake um, because I just went through the uh, spring winter suggestions and I haven't read a single one of them. High five, Fiona. High five. So do we still need to listen to you talk about the next book? I have every intention. To be fair, some of the books that I was talking about, I have not been able to get because they're still coming into the library. So 
But I have to apologize to Liz. I have to apologize. It was it was too much. It was too much. I I was I was I was wrong. I feel like I've been lied to the whole time. And like protest, green. <laughs> it's feathery. It's feathery. It's very very feathery. Little tough. Little beaky. Little beaky. But I guess that now becomes my uh, my April May challenges to read all five of those books. We all have good intentions. We do. We do. I just have to. I, I know that one of them is waiting for me at the library right now. So that is going, that is shooting to the top of my to be read pile now. <sighs> right. So now I will perpetuate my own lies and talk about the book that I have chosen. Um, oh, speaking of which, the book that I'm going to talk about is The Chosen and the Beautiful by Ni Vo. And I will admit, so I read Great Gatsby when I was in high school and I thought it was the greatest book ever written. The metaphors, the symbolism, oh, the critique of the jazz age. Oh, it all came together. Um, yeah, you know, as an adult, I still think it's good. Yeah, get your hands over your head, Virginia. It's still a good book. It's a good book. And so I was very excited when its copyright ran out. Um, so now a bunch of amazing, creative, fantastic people get to take this story or this idea or this sandbox and start playing with it. I love it when that happens. And so this is taking the story of Great Gatsby, but reimagining it from the point of view of Jordan Baker. And if you remember Jordan Baker, Jordan Baker has like the best golf swing, is like the coolest person at the party. Um, she is just like everything that a jazz age woman should be. But in this story, Nevo takes that character and makes them a queer Vietnamese adoptee who also has magic. Um, so it's really kind of like taking the story that you thought you'd do and just kind of twisting it around. It's kind of described as like a magical coming of age story. So I'm pretty excited for this. Um, I always like Jordan Baker and Great Gatsby. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of see this story explored. I'm excited to see uh, a kind of reimagining of the character navigating this space of like money and education and race in the 1920s, as well as being a transracial ad adoptee. Um, so I think it should be absolutely fantastic. I think this is the first debut uh, they have written novellas before, which some of them are behind me, um, but first full length book. So again, as someone who always wants novellas to be a little bit longer, this is just like everything. Yes. So Chosen and the Beautiful should be out, should be amazing. And I will definitely read it. Definitely. 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 All right. Well, since we uh, are only talking about two books today, I thought that I would ask a skill testing, maybe not skill testing, existential. Skill testing are for when you win the lottery. Um, I want to know what for our readers today makes a good summer read. The temperatures are starting to lift. The sun is shining out. What to you makes a good summer book? Or is there even a difference between your summer books and your winter books or your spring books? Virginia? No difference at all. <laughs> that was my easy answer. No difference. Whatever book that I feel like reading is 
the summer book or the winter book or the spring book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What about you, Sadie? Pretty much no difference. Uh, The one thing I will say is I do sometimes like reading about books that take place in the winter or the fall in the summer because very unpopular opinion. I realize that I hate the summer. Um, I, I absolutely hate it. (laughs) It is the worst season in my opinion. And I know that that is not shared by a large number of people, but that is the way that I feel. Uh, so if I could read about something that takes place in the fall or the winter and just imagine that I am there instead of having to sit in the heat in the summer, burning my skin and trying to sleep and not being able to because it's too hot, then I I will do that sometimes. But otherwise, there's no difference. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Virginia. It's nice that every season has someone that loves it. <laughs> Just spreading that love around, right? Spreading that love around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Liz, what about you? Is there like a summer, like a quintessential summer read for you? I I don't know if I gravitate more towards like lighter content in the summertime. I, I can't really say, but I think a book has to really grab me, maybe even more, has to be even more engrossing over the summer to distract me from outdoor things or feeling guilty about reading while it's daylight out. There's so much daylight at that time. So it has to be super, super compelling. That makes me want to basically binge read the book. I I miss those days as a kid, just binge reading books and having snacks and just enjoying life. Like that is, what more do you want? Do you find that your reading habits change in the summer versus other seasons? I don't know about that probably tapers off a little bit but I try not to let it ask me in a few months (laughs) (laughs) we'll check back in we'll check back in Fiona what about you what for you is like is there is there a summer read is a summer read just a construction of the market no I absolutely endorse the idea of a summer read I'm a totally seasonal reader I like to read about summer and spring and summer and spring I like to read lighter airier stuff just like oh this is just so fun and juicy um like probably yeah some like more graphic novels that are like not memoir graphic novels like you know quick quick fun reads that I don't have to think too much about which side are you on I tend to read the darkest stuff in the summer. So like the truest of the true crime, the saddest of the stories, all the tearjerkers. I tend to do it in the summer because then you can like go outside and sorry, Sadie and Virginia, you can feel happy again when you walk outside that like the sun is shining and life begins anew, even though bad things have happened. And again, like your tears tend to dry a lot faster in the summer than they do in the winter. Or they just blend so much with the sweat because it's so hot that you can't tell if you're crying or just sweating so, so much. (laughs) You make a compelling point, Sadie. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Either way, it's it's a good thing, I figure, for you and wanting the tears to... Let the tears flow. Let them flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas winter, it's too dark. It's too sad already that if I read sad books, I wouldn't be able to do anything. 
All right. We're going back to Virginia then. Virginia, take us away on your last pick for a summer read. All right. So just before I do that, because I haven't forgotten you talk about Greg Gatsby. And one of the books that I was going to talk about, which I did not because it's hard to pick, was called The Ticking of Jade Livingston, a awesome horror teen young adult novel that is great for people who love the movie Get Out. And this is what he said about The Great Gatsby in there. The teacher has assigned Great Gatsby as the reading. And the teacher was just like, oh, so Jake, well, anything you find exciting and meaningful about the pages? And he's like, her tone is condescending. Like she already knows I didn't read it, which yes, I didn't. And not because I can read like she thinks. It's because The Great Gatsby is a snooze fest. And if I'm going to read words, I'd rather read them by Octavia Butler. Tendenari Deeve or Stephen Graham Jones instead of a guy who wrote a story about the tragedy of being rich. So there. Anyway, so as a result, well, since it's actually, I, I didn't realize it was perfectly uh, timed. Um, so I am going to talk about a book that Jake Livingston in this book mentioned that I should read instead, which is My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And I'm sorry about this weird chainsaw sound that is coming from my outside, if you can actually hear it. I don't know what's happening, but um, very timely. Um, so Stephen Graham Jones is a rising star, master of horror novels, and everybody is starting to realize how amazing he is, especially because of his last book, The Only Good Indians, has won so many awards, critically acclaimed, and I feel so bad and not worthy to be a horror fan because I did not finish that book and I just, something about it that I just couldn't, and I feel so ashamed, but but I think this one, I'm going to, I think I'm going to like this one. We'll see. Um, this is an old two slasher movies. And I'm sorry to one of our, my book friends here. I know this is one of their least favorite genre of movies, but this is an old two slasher movies. Um, it is perfect for people who love this subgenre, which I cannot claim I am like, you know, one of those people because I don't watch a lot of movies, um, but forgive you are, then this would be perfect for you because I think you're going to get all the references and you're going to be so into the story. But I don't know if you need to, because our main character, Jay Daniels, is basically a walking encyclopedia of all things slasher. She knows everything about it. And her life is pretty hard. Her parents are not very nice. The people at her school don't really want to associate with her. And so she turns to horror movies, especially the slasher movies, for comfort. Like this is where she, she lives her life. So when she started to notice that weird things are happening in her town, and she's like, you know what? This sounds like the beginning of a slasher movie. Her town is this tiny little small town um, that has started to become gentrified. And she see that there's a lot of tension between the people that uh, live there and also these new arrivals, especially these celebrities that are coming to her town for some reason, on vacation, I don't know. But weird things are starting to happen. People starting to go missing, especially the tourists. And she can just see this is the beginning of that cycle. And she knows the worst has yet to come. And so she's trying to warn people that she says something wrong. But of course, no one would believe her. So she is going to be, have to find a way to prevent 
this slasher movie style slaughter from happening. I don't know any more about the book, but you know, I love horror. So I'm really excited that this is another Stephen Graham Jones book. I love his other books, just not the last one. Um, So hopefully this will be amazing. Um, He is, uh, he's a member of the Blackfeet tribe. A lot of his books does touch upon like how we treat the indigenous people. So it adds to that sort of story. Um, So I am very excited about it. Coming out in August, I think. My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Read this instead of Greg Gatsby. (gasps) You can read both, Virginia. You can read both. The Great Gatsby Uh -uh. is essentially a crime novel if you look at it through Uh -uh. the right lens. It's a crime novel with symbolism. Whatever. 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 Fine. Fine. All right. Let's get back to a good place. Get back. Okay. And Sadie, what book do you have next? All right. I struggled to pick my last book. Um, I was torn between two books kind of because of their locations, which I don't often pick books solely based on locations. I will sometimes do that. Um, But one of the books takes place in Edinburgh and one of the books takes place in Prague. And I have been to Edinburgh and absolutely love it. And I have always wanted to go to Prague and really love uh, reading about the history of Prague and kind of seeing uh, modern day Prague or historical Prague. Uh, But I think that I'm going with my Edinburgh pick. And um, this is, again, the first book of a new series. Um, I am very curious to get one of my other uh, book friends' opinions on it, because I think that they might either be reading it or really want to read it as well. So this is called The Library of the Dead by T.L. Huchu. And uh, it takes place in Edinburgh, which I absolutely love the city, as I said. So reading anything um, that takes place there is a big bonus for me. And surprise, surprise, it follows a story about ghosts, which again is kind of out of character for me, but apparently is the direction um, that I am taking for this summer's reads. Um, Maybe because they're cold, maybe that's what I'm going with. They're usually cold. Maybe it will cool me down as I'm sitting in the hot summer weather as I read about ghosts. Um, So this story, uh, from what I can tell, tells the story of Ropa, And Ropa has uh, dropped out of school to become what is called a ghost talker. And uh, this means that she is able to speak to the dead and she can carry messages between the dead and the living. Uh, This is how she has earned her living. Um, Kind of similar to Bad Witch Burning, it sounds um, kind of a similar, um, I see Fiona laughing, a similar business um, that she has developed. This might be the way to go. This might be, uh, this might be the one to, to monetize. Um, and it kind of seems harmless enough for her, but then she starts hearing kind of whispers amongst the dead um, about somebody who is bewitching children and just kind of leaving them after the witching is done to be completely empty. So they're just kind of husks of a, of a person. There's no joy. There's no life. Um, there's nothing really um, left in them after the bewitching. Now, since it is kind of happening in uh, Ropa's area, she 
feels like she has to kind of investigate. Uh, so she starts on the investigation. Um, I don't know too much else about it, but I'm excited to kind of read something set in Edinburgh, something that seems a little bit paranormal, um, has a bit of a mystery element to it as well. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, the Victoria Schwab City of Ghosts Junior series, um, which I really, really enjoyed as well. Uh, so yeah, so that one I'm really, really excited about that is uh, Library, The Library of the Dead by T.L. Huchu. That is so funny you picked that because as I was reading that book, I was like, that's a Sadie book. Oh, really? <laughs> it has ghosts. I was like, it has ghosts, but it is Sadie because it's a little bit fantasy, a little bit magic. It's got like the historical part in it. I'm just like, that is so Sadie. But I'm like, but it has ghosts. Maybe she wouldn't like it because it's ghosts. But Fiona, they definitely monetize that. <laughs> She's not going to like, she doesn't pass messages from the living and the dead unless they pay. So yeah. It's the way to do business. It's the way you have to do business. Okay. That's good to know, Virginia, because I was reading through it. I'm like, I, this sounds really interesting, but there's also with things that kind of verge on maybe a bit too, too spooky for me. So I'm, I'm glad I kind of, when you were reading, you got the sense that it would. Yeah. And I also feel like the ghosts, because they were, they, they feel like just another group of people. Like they don't, they're not like scary mm, ghosts, okay. I feel okay. like. I don't nice. know. I at least I haven't got to the scary part yet. Maybe there is. But, Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. All right. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm more excited even now. That's awesome. Thank you, Sadie. All right. Liz, what is your final pick for the summer? Okay. This was a, this was a tough one. I also struggled like it seems everybody else did with all the great books coming out uh, over the next several months. Um, but I decided to give my last pick to an upcoming book called After Parties. And it's by Anthony Viasna So. And he is, or rather he was a Cambodian-American author. Um, this was his debut work. Sadly, he passed away at the end of 2020. He was only 28 years old. But this book has gotten so much buzz that I feel will be a great uh, legacy to him. It's so great to see a Southeast Asian uh, heritage author uh, come out with a work into the mainstream and um, presents stories that, that, you know, come from his own voice. Uh, so this collection of stories and after parties uh, is about Cambodian American life. And it's been billed as being humorous, yet with heart. And a lot of the stories concern children of refugees, um, which it turns out he was as well. His parents fled the uh, Khmer Rouge genocide in Cambodia, and he Anthony uh, So grew up in America. So these stories reflect that. They involve intergenerational trauma from that's been passed down through the generations from this tragic genocide. Um, and his stories also concern issues of race, of sexuality, friendship, and family. This book has been on so many anticipated, most anticipated book lists. Um, from a lot of pop culture media outlets. And usually I, I, I try not to buy into that kind of buzz, but the, the praise has been from such a wide variety of um, media outlets, as well as authors. So you've got authors like Britt Bennett, George Saunders, Brian Washington, Roxane Gay, and they've all heaped so much praise 
uh, on this book. So I, I am looking forward to this collection of short stories and um, learning learning more about um, Cambodian American life through this work of fiction. So again, that's After Parties by Anthony Viasna So. That looks great, Liz. Definitely, definitely feels like, you know, real um, heartwarming, yet emotionally evocative, yet, <laughs> you know, potentially funny. All right. Fiona, what is your last pick? Okay. I both managed to pick something really outside of my usual and uh, repeat an author. <laughs> so Julie Murphy has been busy um, and I have chosen another Julie Murphy book. This one is an adult book. She generally um, writes for teens, um, and it is a romance. Um, I don't really read romance, but I do love uh, romance movies. Like, I love chick flicks a lot, like, especially ones that are based on books. Um, So I wonder if I can find that fun and comfort in a book. So maybe I'll give it a try with... If the Shoe Fits uh, by Julie Murphy. This uh, appears to actually be a retelling of Cinderella, which is like borderline, like, oh, that sounds terrible. And like, oh my gosh, what a good, like, guilty pleasure. Just think of all the wonderful Cinderella remakes there have been. It is about Cindy, uh, who's recently graduated from shoe design school. Not a shoe. I can't remember what that would call that. She's going to be a designer for shoes. Uh, and she has this great in with her stepmother, who works on a reality TV show. It is called Before Midnight, and it's wildly popular. And it sounds like a little bit of a, like The Bachelor or something like that. So um, Cindy actually ends up throwing her name in the hat to be on this show uh, because her shoe designing career does not seem to be picking up post-grad. And she ends up being very popular as a contestant. She sort of becomes a body positive role model. And then of course, all along there is a romance. She's of course gonna fall for the guy. I can be a little bit e about romance, but I really liked that the way that Julie Murphy writes romance in the past. Um, it's not usually super heteronormative. Um, and she writes very iconic um, lead characters. So I tend to like that more when you have a strong character who's like, you know, maybe falling for another really unique character. And it's not so much about the couple as it is about this one person. And then we get to see them have a romance. I think that appeals to me a lot. So I'm hoping that's what this will be and will just be a great sort of light summary read. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I like that you you highlighted one author. <laughs> yeah. All their awesome works. I will read all of her books. There's there's very few authors like that, but like I'll just read anything she writes. <laughs> And well, actually that nicely segues into mine, which is an author that I will pretty much pick up everything that she touches. This is very much up my alley. It is a noir detective set in the 1970s. It is uh, set in Mexico City and Maite is a secretary. 
she's not really interested in the student riots that are happening in the street. She's more interested in her magazine, Secret Romance, talking about all of the forbidden romances and gossip that is going on in the town. However, she does interest herself in the life of Leonora, who is a art student who is kind of involved in the political life there in Mexico City. And so when Leonara goes missing, Maite decides to, you know, put down the magazine and investigate a little bit. However, she is not the only one who is interested in this art student's life. Elvis, who works for kind of like a shadowy crime boss who's in charge of a lot of goon squads who are going after these student protesters, um, Elvis has been hired by this shadowy figure to also track down Leonara. He is not really a criminal at heart. Like, he does some crime, but really what he's interested in is old movies and old music. And as he kind of investigates this case, he notices Maite also investigating, and they are kind of on a collision course to uncover the bigger secrets happening during this time. This is the newest book by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and it is Velvet Was the Night. It looks to be a fantastic noir crime historical by the author of Mexican Gothic, which I really loved and made me think very differently about a lot of mushrooms. So I am super, super looking forward to this, this new thing. I love that this author is like, taking a bunch from a bunch of different genres and just nailing it every time. I love how on her Goodread post, she's like, this is not a science fiction. This is not a fantasy. This is not a horror. Please do not tag this book with that. Like she was very emphatic about that because she was just like, no, this is different. So if you only know me from Mexican Gothic, this is not it. And it was funny how she like, she's just so passionate about that. Mm, she just wants us to be prepared. And I am ready for this. Mysterious disappearing, student protests, political stuff. Mm, perfect. And magazines. No mushrooms. No mushrooms. Well, that are those are, those were our top five picks for summer reads, as well as our summer reading feelings or lack thereof. We hope that you have found at least in the 25 titles that we have recognized, maybe one that kind of speaks to you. Let us know in the comments and we'd be happy to share maybe some more that we didn't quite make it to our top five, but you might like as well. So thank you so much for listening slash viewing everyone and have some fantastic summer reading. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm-hmm.